Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Where the River Begins by Patricia Sanjan with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are reading Chapter 9, Refuge. Come right on in, said the farmer. Aren't you the little chap who took our boat? It seemed a bad beginning. Francis sniffed sadly and stepped inside. The family was having a noisy tea in the kitchen, but the farmer led Francis into a little sort of office, and they both sat down. Do your parents know you've come? asked the farmer. Mom's in the hospital, replied Francis. Dad knows I've gone for a bike ride, and I've got to go into a foster home. So you said before, said the farmer. Have you had some tea? Francis shook his head, and the farmer went away and came back with a mug of tea and a slice of homemade cake. When it was finished, the farmer leaned back in his chair. Now tell me all about it, he said. Francis, warmed and fortified by the tea and cake, and encouraged by the deeply attentive man in front of him, went on. With the help of a few questions, he told everything, and by the time he had finished, the farmer knew all about Tyke, Spotty, the telephone booth, Rom, the fire, Mum, Dad, Wendy, Debbie, and the police. It was quite a story, and when he had finished, Francis looked up pleadingly. So you see, he said, if you can't care for me, I don't know where I shall go, and Tyke will get me. But you'd have to care for my cat, too, because she can't go to Yorkshire and she can't stay alone, so she'd have to come, wouldn't she? Of course, agreed the farmer. And if you come, the cat comes, too. She could be the official barn mouser. Francis laughed gaily and had a funny sort of feeling that it was the first time he had laughed like that in quite a while. I'll, I'm, a go, I'm going to phone your father and talk to my wife, said the farmer. He was gone for about 20 minutes while Francis thumbed through some pamphlets about milk board. And when he came back, he was smiling. Come on, he said. You can leave your bike in the shed. I'm taking you home to have a chat with your dad. They drove in silence for for both had quite a lot to think about, and when they arrived, Mr. West came to the door to meet them, looking rather uncomfortable. Good evening, he said. I'm sorry to have to put you to all this trouble. I had no idea where Francis had gone. Francis, go and eat your supper. Come come in, Mr. Glennie. They talked for quite some time, and then Dad put his head around the kitchen ta- the door and said, All right, Francis, they very kindly said they'll have you, and Mr. Glennie will take you now. There's an empty suitcase in my bedroom. Run upstairs and collect what you need. Francis shot upstairs and shoved his clothes into the suitcase. He was just about to start on his toy cupboard when his stepfather appeared. Come along, he said. You only need your clothes. You can't take all that junk. The gentleman's waiting, and you've got some nerve, haven't you? However, it seems to be turning out for the best. Now step on it. I want my toys, pleaded Francis, and my stamps and my football cards. I can't go without them. You'll do what you're told, said the father, slamming the lid of the suitcase and giving him a shove. There'll be plenty of toys where he comes from. And he hurried Francis down the stairs to where Mr. Glennie stood waiting in the front hall. Francis took his head around the kitchen door. Bye, Wendy. Bye, Debbie, he shouted. I'm going away and I'm not coming back till Mom's better. Then a terrible thing happened. Wendy, who had been absorbed in a jigsaw puzzle, looked up and suddenly understood. She ran to him, flung her arms around his middle, and burst into tears. Francis, Francis, she sobbed, don't go. Dad'll go out at night and we shall be alone in the house. Oh, Francis, stay. Francis was too surprised to speak for a moment. He had always thought that he and 
Wendy hated each other, but now he was not so sure. She gazed tragically up at him and saw for the first time in his life how soft and pretty her hair was and how blue her eyes. He put his arm around her. You'll be all right, he said gruffly. You're going to Grand's in Yorkshire. You'll be lucky. You are. He quite forgot he was not meant to know. And Wendy's eyes sparkled through her tears. To Grand in Yorkshire, she repeated joyfully. And Debbie said, Grand in Yorkshire gave me a teddy bear. Bye, Francis. Mom, soon we'll be better and we'll be all together. He just he whispered to Wendy and gave her an awkward little kiss on the top of her head. Then he seized his suitcase and everybody searched for the cat who had disappeared. Francis found her under the bed and hurried to the car without a backward look. He stuck his head out the window and breathed in the warm spring air. At last he felt, felt safe. Everyone welcomed him and seemed glad to see him when they arrived. Kate was doing her homework at the table, and Martin and Chris sat by the fire in their robes playing battleships. Mrs. Glennie took his suitcase. We'll show you your room when we've all had a cup of tea, she said cheerfully. It's the little, it's a little one, uh, all of your own, under the roof, John dear. We'll finish outside, and we waited for prayers till you came. I wondered what prayers meant, thought Francis. It sounds like school. They gathered round the fire in a warm circle with their cups of tea, and little Chris climbed onto his mother's lap. Their father picked up a Bible and turned the pages. Only sixteen days till Easter, he said. So we'll go on reading while Jesus said to his disciples the night before he died in John 13. They were halfway through some story Francis did not know, so he did not listen. Instead, he found himself staring at that funny card on the wall and wondering what it meant. God is love. Then he was suddenly arrested by the last words that Mr. Glennie was reading. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you. You also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. You did not seem able to get away from love in this house. However, you liked to spill it. It drew him, and he wanted to think about it. Nobody had loved much at home. Mom and Dad quarreled. Wendy pinched, and when he tried to love Mom, she usually did not listen or seem to notice. Tyke and Spotty hated all the time, and being with him had been fun at first, but looking back now, it all seemed rather cold and sad and frightening. If they had loved, perhaps Mom would not have been had headaches and gone to the hospital, and he would not feel so afraid of going back to school. Perhaps he thought vaguely, loving was better, happier way. But how do you start? He thought about it again when he was lying in his bed in the little attic, listening to the owls hooting and watching the stars through the skylight. Mrs. Glennie had helped him unpack and tucked him in and kissed him goodnight. Whiskers laid curled up on the quilt beside him because it was too late to take him to the barn that night. He felt cozy and sleepy and safe. He remembered the night he had said, sat with Mom in the kitchen after the fire and how Whiskers had purred on his chest after he kicked her, faithful little Rom bringing him presents, Wendy flinging her arms around his middle. There was quite a lot of love about, if you really looked for it. God is love. He had better find out about God. They could do with a bit more love where he came from. And tomorrow we'll read chapter 10 questions. I love you. I'm praying for you and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.